Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Joe, I don't know why I got to keep telling people we're the hosts. I think it would be <laughs> obvious by now, but I suppose that we might have some new listeners. Anyway, uh, if you're used to the show, we got some bills to pay. If you're not used to it, you better get used to it because this is how we do this. So our first sponsor is Lalo Tactical, www.lalo.com. If you want athletic shoes, tactical shoes, tactical boots, uh, the athlete tactical anything go to lalo.com use the code maximus 20 uh, it is a great product i would prefer you buy the maximus shoes because i double monetize off that yes just putting that out there we're a uh, open book type situation here shameless. joe everything is above board <laughs> uh not not shameless i like to call it uh What's the term they use in business? Transparent. There you go. Sure. I'm not going to lie to anybody, right? <laughs> um, our next sponsor is Nitor Performance. N-I-T-O-R performance.com is the website. Uh, it's an incredible protein. We suggest you take it. Uh, we love them. It's something that we actually use. Uh, so go there. Use the code Maximus Podcast and uh, get yourself some protein. Um, I, I remember reading, I think, the other day in the in the Harvard Journal of Medicine, mm-hmm. I believe it could have been Stanford. I read a lot of these things that the combination of the shoes and the protein increase your strength by forty eight percent, which is pretty incredible. Well, and, that, think and I, I believe that warrants further study. But the the funding bills are tied up in Congress right now, so we'll, we'll yeah, have it, to wait. It, and and by further study, I assume you're talking about the the, the non confidence because the it the, the study had a confidence rate of ninety eight point eight percent, which is pretty high. So yeah. I, I suppose there could be some error in that other one point two percent. Whatever. Anyway, we are here. Uh, we have an incredible guest on the show today. Her name's Dana Santis. Um, she is. I'm I'm going to go out here and say it. She is the person in the mobility and breathing space, hands yeah. down. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that have tried to get in 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 this space. Uh, you know, she wouldn't say this because she's humble mm-hmm. um, and, and a very nice person, but she is the person in that space. So, without further ado, uh, and, and by the way, this is something you won't want to miss. So, get your right. notepad ready, uh, Dana Santis. When I look at you, you work with a bunch of professional teams. You work with really high level people. Uh, you're the first person that comes to my brain. If someone's like, I need help with mobility or breathing, 
I'm like, you have to get in touch with Dana. If you've got that type of reputation that you've built up after years of hard work in the industry, I'd say social media is less important than the 22-year-old that's coming up that hasn't worked with anybody that's really trying to build a following because I'm going to guess that a lot of your work's based on word of mouth or the results you get. Like I noticed you work with the Blue Jays and the Phillies. Yeah. And it's like, well, word of mouth is a big thing. Like if baseball players on one team are getting a good result, they're going to be like, hey, you need to talk to. I'm guessing that's more of how you get your business than a random Instagram DM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't answer most of the DMs that I get. And even emails where people are asking to work with me. It just at this point, I can't I can't answer all of those. But um, but I built my business through credibility and reputation. And also what I didn't know coming into it was that all the strength coaches, it's such a close family. Yep. And especially after I, I became a strength coach myself and got my CSCS. Um, and then started attending NSCA events, especially the NSCA Coaches Conference. And we all know each other. I mean, there are less degrees between strength coaches um, across sports than there are Kevin Bacon, you know, the yeah. six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, everyone knows each other. So whether it's NFL or NBA or MLB, one of the coaches that I worked with, with the Orlando Magic, I originally worked with him uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wow. So he went from baseball. Like a different sport. To, yeah. And, and on the at the pro level, I always say I lucked out because I marketed once. I got in the door and I didn't burn bridges. And yeah. then I just hmm. built relationships. And that's the way to do it. Which it seems you can tell too, because we've been in LA, we've been meeting with all kinds of people. And all the people who I respect in the industry, you're one of them. The people that I want to go to to learn from, the people that I have questions for, you're all friends. I know. Like, like with Ben Bruno, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Dana's coming over. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm surprised by this. Right, like, yeah. it's like, okay, this is the person. And, but it lets me know I've surrounded myself with the right people because I'm like, okay, if Ben Bruno's calling her for, okay, I, I, she is the right person to call. The same thing with at the NSCA with Dawn. Right. It's like Dawn's like, yeah, Dana's like, she's serious. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you, you say so, we're good. Do you know what I mean? Um, And I think a lot of people take that for granted. So tell us a little bit about your background. For people that don't know who you are, what do you do? What's your specialty? Well, it's evolved quite a bit. I mean, because I'm going on now two decades doing this. And when I first started off, and I cringe a little bit when I admit this, but when I first started out, um, it was like 18 years ago, I was a yoga instructor. Yep. And I did not know what I didn't know. I mean, we never know what we didn't know, but definitely back then I didn't know what I didn't know. And I knew that there was a need, especially in uh, baseball, but overall in sports, there was a need for more focus on movement. Yep. And I had been doing yoga um, and, and I knew how it made me feel. And I love sports, so I thought it was applicable. But what I found out rather quickly was that there was so much about traditional yoga that had no place in sports from um, a variety of different moves and styles to the fact that, you know, it's like an hour long or more class. And that format doesn't work in these 
jam-packed schedules that athletes have. They have so many demands on them. And then also, um, you know, their injury histories and, and every athlete is so individual in their injury histories and understanding that and what's contraindicated. And so I ended up tossing out so much about yoga and thankfully I'm always, I'm always learning and I get to work with all of these amazing strength coaches at these teams that have more, far more experience than, well, at that point they had far more experience than I did now that I'm like older. There's some younger strength coaches, but back then it's so much that I could learn from them. And, um, it was Tim Maxey, who's now head of strength and conditioning for all of major league baseball, but he was, he was the major league strength coach for the Cleveland Indians. Okay. And again, uh, we were talking about how all these strength coaches know each other. Well, it was the Rays strength coach that introduced me to him when the Rays brought me down um, to work with them for spring training. And at that time, the Indians had their spring training in Florida. They're now, they've since moved to Arizona. But back then, so I went to go visit Tim Maxey and, um, and he said, hey, have you ever heard of Gray Cook? And I'm like, who? Because remember now this, I wasn't in strength and conditioning back then. And I wasn't um, familiar with anything more than really yoga and and sports, having been a fan, having watched it. Um, And so while I was down there for spring training, I was there for three weeks. I ordered, and this was before Amazon Prime, so I had to wait a week for it. I ordered Gray's book online and had it delivered to my hotel. And um, it was, and he's got multiple books. I want to say it was Athletic Body in Motion or... That one, it's something like that, but, um, great book. And what fascinated me was that all of the pictures of the exercises looked like yoga, except mm-hmm. when you broke them down and you read them and how they were cued and why they were done, they were, they were so more, much more purposeful and functional in nature, as opposed to in yoga, there's too much emphasis on doing a pose for the sake of the pose, right. get deeper in it. Well, sometimes someone's controlled range of motion um, isn't going to allow them to go deeper in it and pushing them deeper into something isn't necessarily going to be better before they're ready to control it. And that was lost in yoga, but not in what I was reading with great cook. And I remember the first time that I actually, um, talked to great cook and, you know, I work with all these professional athletes and I never geek out, you know, um, even though I previously was a fan, it's just what I do. Right. But Gray Cook, like, I could barely speak. I was so excited <laughs> to talk to Gray Cook because I'm such a nerd, right? right. And, and you know why I was talking to him? I had I had gotten my gig with CNN, and so I was their um, yoga and fitness expert, and I was interviewing Gray for um, an article on yoga in schools. And he's so easygoing. He was so awesome. And then it was only a few years after that that I – started speaking with perform better and he's a speaker with perform better. And now I'm sharing a stage with him. And I remember again, geeking out all over (laughs) again. Like I felt like, um, I don't know if you had ever seen on Sesame street when you were little, they would show these four screens and be like, which one of these things doesn't belong. And it's like three people jumping (laughs) rope and somebody on a unicycle. And I'm like, I'm on the unicycle. Like I'm up here with Mike Boyle and Gray cook and Eric Cressy and, it was just nuts. Wow. Um, and that's when I geek out. Not, I mean, yeah. not, not over the, the other stuff. But that's also probably kept you in the business as well because I've trained some professional athletes. I've got a lot of friends that are professional athletes. I was 
a long time ago a professional right? athlete. It's it's almost a thing where I had a desperate need when I was fighting to just be treated normal. And a lot of my guys that I train, they don't want any of that. Like they just want to come in the gym, hang out. Maybe, I mean, I, I have one buddy that like all he wanted to do was play Mortal Kombat. And I say buddy, he was a, he was a, an athlete that I trained that turned into a friend. Right. But like he didn't, he didn't want me to give a shit that he played for a certain team. And I think that if you're like that, you probably work your way out of the industry fairly fast. Would be my right. guess. Would that yeah. be correct? I mean, I think so. you're a professional. You've got to do your job. Now, yeah. my experience with you, I was telling Joe, I went to an NSCA conference. We were speaking together. And, and I mean this respectfully, which means you're about to get disrespected. <laughs> Just so you know, when somebody says <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, for that. Okay. I'm kind of a hardhead. I don't like new things. Right. And I remember like, okay, breathing mobility. This will be great. Like rolling my eyes. Yeah, I don't blame Sitting there. And then you started to talk. And then I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I need her to rewind. I need all the notes. Like I need all the, the stuff because maybe breathing and mobility could help me. And do you find that you get that reaction from people a lot? Because I feel, or you did in the past, because I feel that the whole mobility breathing movement is just coming into the, into the limelight. Whereas like 10 years ago, it wasn't really a... It was a thing, but not mass outlet right. like it is now, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think that, um, I don't think it's been very long that people have embraced it, it. It, it. Well, associating breathing with improving movement yep. or even recognizing breathing as a movement pattern. And um, it was Eric Cressy that actually introduced me to it. It was about 10 years ago. Um, and he had taken a PRI course. And since then, we've taken quite a few. I, I've taken eight. Um, and PRI is the Postural Restoration Institute. And I love them. I owe them a lot for introducing me to this whole concept. However, what I found was um, that what they do is very much more oriented towards a physical therapist or someone who's seeing clients one-on-one -on, -one on a very regular basis for the long term. And they're not also in such a rush to like, I'm in a rush to have to get players back out on the field if they're rehabbing with me, or I have to show them a big difference with very little investment yep. because they have all of these other things in their program. Um, so the protocols that, that they had for PRI, they just, I tried to use it in the context of my work and it didn't really work that well. So then I was like, it's breathing. Let's go lowest common denominator. Let's not make this more difficult than it needs to be. And let me see what I can actually accomplish without having them do all these different strange exercises. I just want to mobilize ribs because that's what I had really gotten out of it. Listen, the diaphragm attaches to the ribs, it attaches to the spine. There needs to be rib movement, just like any other muscle, like it acts on bones. There needs to be rib movement. Nobody's talking about this, right? And if I can start to get people to understand rib movement, if I can get them to understand too, like scapula are very important. Shoulder girdles are very important for um, MLB pitchers. If I start to get them to think about the fact that their scapula have to glide on their rib cage and their breathing pattern dictates the position of their rib cage, whoa, wait a minute. Now there's a connection. Now this makes sense. How many rotating athletes focus on separation of upper and lower body and T-spine rotation? 
all of them. Well, guess what? Your ribs attach to your T-spine. If your rib cage is immobile and in a poor position, you can focus on T-spine rotation, but if you don't fix the breathing pattern, that happens up to 24,000 times a day. It doesn't matter how much you train. Your breathing, good or bad, is going to trump that training. So why not make your breathing work for you? And then I, I found that I could do some pretty simple parlor tricks um, that, that would show them how they can get an immediate difference in their mobility. That's how I get buy-in. And I, I have a lot of um, baseball players that I work with, especially during like this time, it's fall instructional league, when they'll bring in the minor league um, kids, and many of them are Latin, and they don't speak a whole lot of English. And also there's a cultural difference. So now I'm a woman coach. And then they think that it's yoga. So they're always like, oh, no yoga for me. No yoga, right? <laughs> and so what I do is um, I grab a pitcher and I take him to the front of the room. And I don't have to use, I've, I've simplified it so much, I don't have to use a whole lot of words. Because really my Spanish is like, arriba, abajo, um, you know, and I can count to ten. <laughs> so up, down, and um, count to ten. And then the universal, shut your mouth. That pretty much works. Um, but I show them how to move their ribs. Um, I, I help them move their ribs. And then I take them through a series of five breaths moving their ribs. Before we do that, I measure their external and internal shoulder rotation. When I say measure, I don't use, um, what is that thing, a goniometer or anything. Mm-hmm. I just do it in the front of the room. They feel it. All the other, um, it, all the other guys, the players, all see it. Mm-hmm. Then we do five breaths together. I get them to move their ribs. Then I re-measure, right? Um, and there can be up to a 30-degree change. Wow. Yeah. And now I have buy Now mm-hmm. they all want to do yoga, right? They're all like, whoa, <laughs> you, you know? But you said like parlor trick. But I, I always call that the demon's out, right? Like, oh, you got a demon in your shoulder. And you have demon's out. And then you try it again and it moves. Yeah, everybody in the room sees that. That's immediate buy-in. And then mm-hmm. I'm bought in. I just hear the story and I'm like, yeah, whatever right. you're working, let sign me up, right? Isn't it awesome? Yeah. And I have one for hip internal rotation as well. And it's a breathing drill. And then it changes your internal hip rotation. That one is so usually... You've heard it here first, folks. Uh, Dana's entire thing is parlor tricks and chicanery. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> well, the reason that I call them parlor tricks um, is because they don't own that range of motion that they just got. Because if, they, if they've been in a breathing pattern that's put their rib cage into a position that's inhibiting shoulder movement, right... They've been in that breathing pattern for 5, 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to undo it for good in just five breaths. Yeah, I can right. show them what they're capable of. But the cool thing is now you take that five breath. I, I do it in what I call a breathing bridge. You add that to your warm-up every day mm-hmm. during their training. And so it's just thrown into the warm-up. They foam roll. They do the breathing bridge. Then they do all their other dynamic mobility warm-up or whatever it is that they do after two weeks now they own that range it's but a i'm trying to like in my own mind put this into into towards i guess i can understand but it's like they've been training for like you said 5 10 20 years but i mean maybe at their full uh capacity but at only 70 percent of their potential and so if you can get them to train at 100 percent of their potential their capacity will increase to that potential. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, when you talk about a professional athlete or a high level athlete, if I could tell you, Hey, in, in two weeks I can increase your, 
your performance by 30%. What's that worth? Yeah, a lot of money. I mean, but it shows why teams are like employing you. Exactly. Right. Because I mean, you deal with people who are making millions and millions. I mean, it's funny. We, I don't know if you've changed your thought on the business of sport, if you will. But as a fan, you kind of watch sport and you're like, oh, he's out there playing football, doing something he loves. Mm-hmm. When you're behind the scenes, you start to realize you're working with somebody's $18 million investment, $20 million investment, $3 million investment. I mean, the, the, the minimum salary might be $900,000. It's like, that's the, seems pretty important to me. Like, I'm going to yeah. lend you my $900,000 car. Don't fuck this up. To, to that end, how much is what you do, uh, I guess, sport specific? Like, does it have carry over to people who aren't necessarily a professional pitcher? Or is it just really dialed in on that thing? So it's, um, it's sport specific in how I market it to them. That's, that's all it is. And, you know, it's crazy because when I first started out, I, I was on that sports specific bandwagon and I was trying to make sure that all of my, um, all of my programs were very sports specific right. and, and that, that I could show this, this translation to whatever position they played or whatever sport it was. And that seems to make total sense, except that I'm realizing now that human beings have fundamental ways that they need to move. Right. Yeah. If you optimize the fundamental ways that they need to move, then guess what? That translates to every freaking sport, every sport. So it was almost like I was making it more complex than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And as I started to simplify it and have a better understanding of biomechanics in general and, and, and really looking at and learning from, like I said, learning from Gray Cook um, and Functional Movement Screen and Lee Burton um, and then uh, TPI, Greg Rose. Um, I've had the honor of also sharing the stage with him, um, but I, I got to, and I'm TPI certified as well, but just learning more about um, how you screen people and how you screen just human movement, never mind athlete movement. Right. And then now you take this breathing, which is a superpower. When you look at breathing as a movement pattern on its own and you put that into the mix, it's it's unbelievable the changes that you can make mm-hmm. that translate, as I said, to every sport, every position. I mean, who couldn't use more internal rotation? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Athlete or not, like internal hip rotation is is huge because when we're born, we're babies, we've got 360 degrees of hip mobility, <laughs> yeah. right? And then we lose it, and then what things start to break down as a result of that? Yeah. So on well, how you compensate for those breakdowns and the other tensions, and now you're not breathing right, and now you're losing shoulder rotation because yes. of that. Yeah, it all builds. But this sure. also extends way beyond just sport. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you you told a story at the NSCA about your son. Yes. And how breathing has really helped. Kim, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so uh, my son Luke was um, when he was born. I knew something was different like right away because he didn't look at me. He's my youngest son. I have three kids. So, um, and you know, as a dad, right, yep. that that moment that you lock eyes with your baby, that's everything. Yep. And it happens pretty much immediately. It didn't happen. And he wouldn't look at me. He kept his eyes closed for almost four days. 
Um, and then once he did start to open his eyes, he always averted his gaze from us. He liked to look at ceiling fans, um, just some of the hallmarks of if you're familiar with autism that we started to pick did up you, on. Did you know at the time where you just knew there was something wrong? I knew there was something wrong, but um, I'm trying to think of what my exposure to autism was because I was familiar definitely with like the ceiling fan thing. Um, it, I just... I kind of cued into it and, um, and I ended up having to fire our first pediatrician, actually two pediatricians in a row because it was this watch and wait thing. And that's familiar for a lot of, um, people with children with autism who suspected it early. They're told to watch and wait. Well, I'm so glad that I didn't wait and that I didn't listen because my son, um, and I'm skipping ahead, but I'll, I'll get to, I'll, uh, bring us back to the middle. But my son now, you would never, I, I mean, he, if he were tested, he wouldn't even be on the autism spectrum. But by the time he was 12 months old, they told me he might never speak. Wow. Um, he may never let me hold him or touch him because he didn't, he, he perfected the Heisman. Like <laughs> when he was like three weeks old, he would stiff arm me. Imagine trying to breastfeed a kid that's stiff arming you. That was fun. Um, I did it though, <laughs> but only. I, it's a good thing I'm like a contortionist because he had to be staring at a ceiling fan. So it's like 3 a.m. I've got the lights on so we can look at the ceiling fan, and I'm like halfway upside down in a chair. Yeah, I don't miss those days um, at all. But thankfully, that was right around the time. So he's 10, and I think I told you it was like 10 years ago, Eric Cressy introduced me to PRI. So I started to look at breathing differently. And I started to understand that breathing as a movement pattern also meant that breathing equals posture. Remember I said that breathing dictates the position of your rib cage. So another hallmark of autism is toe walking. Were you, have you ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. And so if you think about like a woman in high heels or um, someone who's toe walking, what happens to your rib cage and your pelvis, right? So you're thrown into this position where your rib cage becomes protracted and you go into all this extension. And then what I now know about and what I was starting to learn then about breathing mechanics is you cannot use your diaphragm when you're in all that extension. You just can't. So you end up being a, a shallow chest breather. And when you're a shallow chest breather, what does that do to your autonomic nervous system? Well, that puts us in that fight or flight, the sympathetic mm-hmm. um, state of our, our nervous system, which means that you're constantly feeling like you're being bombarded by things, right? You're stressed out. It, you have difficulty sleeping. And so I had this little baby who um, his, he was in all of this extension as he um, started to get older and was walking, it was he he had trouble learning to walk because he was on his toes and he's in all this extension. And I was like, this kid needs to exhale. Like, I've got to get him to breathe out. Um, and remember what I just said about the autonomic nervous system? Well, reinforcing what I was starting to figure out, my son would have these things. We thought they were seizures. But um, when... When he would be eating and like looking out the blinds, the lights coming in. So, um, so think about the sensory stimulus. He's looking outside and he's eating. So he tastes stuff. And then if I talked to him, he would fall over. Or if I touched him, he would fall over. It was like he passed out. 
it was crazy. So I took video of this and we went to see a neurologist and um, we had to go spend uh, 24 hours in the hospital with him having, you know, all the electrodes on his head. And for a kid who doesn't like to be touched, attach him to all these wires and have 24 hours. That, again, I don't miss that either. Um, but what they found was he wasn't having, there was no seizure activity. It was just sensory overload. So his nervous system couldn't take all of those things coming in at once. But they didn't have an explanation for why. But my explanation for why is you take a kid like that and you put him completely in a, his sympathetic nervous system all the time. His nervous system couldn't mature from that point, right? Because how, how much parasympathetic activity do you think it takes for a human being to grow and mature? I mean, we think about we need to be parasympathetic just to recover from an athletic yeah. um, activity. This is a child who's growing into, you know, a, a bigger human. It, it, that takes so Like it's much. constantly just running and running yeah. and running, right. essentially. Yeah. So you would need, you would need adequate rest. You would definitely need to be parasympathetic more than your sympathetic. And my child was just in a sympathetic yeah. state all of the time. So um, another marker of having autism is... You, you have these very concentrated and focused, um, uh, for lack of a better word, I, I mean, things that you like. What is, so like almost, almost an obsession. Yeah, so yeah. You, you, you become fixated on something. And he loved lawnmowers. It was hilarious. Like, he thought landscapers were like rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> and he would watch all these YouTube videos and he knew all of the engines and all the different lawnmowers. It would, and this kid is like not even three hmm. and he knows all of this stuff. And if we would take a walk like that, he, the only time that he would really talk would be like, if we met a landscaper, he would ask about all the engines on the different things and, and they would be freaked out. I yeah, remember. Like that's a Briggs and Stratton. Yes, yeah, and that's power, one yeah. of his favorite. That's so funny that you even knew that, right? Um, I remember one landscaper was so, like, freaked out because this little kid also, when he did finally learn how to talk, he spoke in complete sentences, and he started reading. Because mm. wow. I knew he knew what was going on, right. um, and we had taken him to speech therapy, but they kept touching him all the time, um, and that would set him off, and then, you know, it he couldn't function. So once I got them to back off, he got kicked out of speech therapy because he just started speaking in complete sentences. So he kind of like skipped the whole gaga goo goo thing and just mm. went to mom, can I have a glass of water? Yeah. And, and then like reading the wall street journal. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and so we met this landscaper and, uh, he starts speaking to him like that and, and talking about all this stuff. And I remember the guy was like, uh, wow. And he reaches in his pocket and he takes out like he, the cash that he had in his pocket. And he's like handing it to my son. Like he was so freaked out. Like, I don't know what to do. He's like, thank you. Money. It was hilarious. But I would take Luke to the park and he would come back and, and, um, cause he was socially awkward too. He wouldn't make eye contact, but he'd have, he'd try to have these long conversations with kids his age who couldn't understand. So he'd come yeah. back to me and be like, um, mama, I tried to talk to them, but they don't talk very well and they don't understand me. So 
Um, it was kind of like young Sheldon. Yeah, you that's, know? that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Except, except he doesn't like astrophysics. He likes lawnmowers. Yeah. yeah, but he also liked. Um, I remember dualies, um, trucks. Like we'd always mm. have to be out looking for the dually, and I didn't even know what a dually was until he taught me. You know, the two <laughs> wheels in the back yeah. for anyone else who didn't know. <laughs> yeah, in the back of a truck where they have two wheels. Anyway, um, he loved that stuff. So when I realized I needed to get him into the breathing thing I, and, and get him to exhale, I wanted him to mimic the sound of a lawnmower or the exhaust oh, of a truck. Yeah. And then I would have him do that, and then I would try to get like time it so I could get him, could you do it for 10 seconds? And then sometimes I'd have him like have kind of a race, not that I was trying to get him to do it faster, but he'd compete against his dad. Mm. And his dad would only get to like six on purpose, you know, and then Luke would get to 10. And we practiced it when he wasn't having meltdowns because when he would have a meltdown, it would ruin the entire day. Like he'd be done. If he had a meltdown over something like his schedule got disrupted or whatever, our day was shot. That was it. Anything else we had planned, it wasn't going to happen. Well, when we started using this breathing, suddenly these meltdowns that would ruin our day were like 10 minutes. And then it was, we could prevent it before it happened. And then we just started to see these major changes in him um, to the point that now, like he is so normal. I know some people probably would be like, well, don't you want to have this brilliant child? And didn't I want to cultivate that? And You know, we had talked about gifted and talented and that kind of stuff. But I remember how I felt um, when he had his first sleepover. Like when he had his first friend, his first play date, but then a sleepover. Now he's part of a basketball team. Like he's, he's still very, very smart. He gets all A's. But we don't focus on that. Like that's great, but he's social and he's, he, um, he's just, he's incredible. It's a miracle. Because if you look at those videos from before, like it wasn't as though quacks were telling us, oh, he might never speak correctly in their assessment based on the child that was in front of them yeah, and the expertise that they had and the therapies that they had at their disposal, that was where it seemed like we were headed. Wow. And now he is amazing. He's absolutely incredible. Do you, do you do anything like, I know you work with sports teams and stuff. But have you published this, written a book on it? Like, if, 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 if someone else had this issue, yeah, how would they find out? I mean, because it, it seems like something, to be honest with you, that I hear. And I'm like, well, great. Breathing can help. Like, who the hell do I find to, like, do this for me? You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? How do you like, find a breathing coach, How do I find a breathing you know? person that, 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 that can help with this? Well, I think that the Postural Restoration Institute, because in the, in the context of working with a child, like one-on-one, I think that they would be great for that, yep. um, for sure. But I, I did mention it in that article, ironically, the one that I brought up with Gray Cook. I did talk a little bit about that breathing drill that I had done with my son and his experience. Um, but the occupational therapist and the, um, the psychologist that were working with my son at the time they were involved in um, actually some of the exercises they So they were on use. board. They weren't. Oh, yeah. They, no, okay. they were on board because you could see these changes in, yeah. in Luke. And also, I mean, all the work they were doing, I don't want to discount what they were doing. I do know that breathing was the superpower, like the, the main ingredient in what changed Luke. But there was a whole there were a whole team of people. We had an amazing physical therapist. I mean, because this was a kid who couldn't even navigate a door frame. 
Right. And um, you should see his crossover move now oh. in basketball. <laughs> like, he's unbelievable. But it's also interesting to me with the breathing stuff. And I love that story. Like, I, that, that was something, like, if one thing stuck for me from that conference in Toronto, it was that story. I was like, whoa, this is, like, serious. But it's funny how I think most people would discount it. Like, oh, breathing, sure, it sounds simple. Like, I need to work out. I feel like that's most people's inherent response. I'll be honest, it, I, I hadn't heard that story. And just as you began telling that story, I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, come on, breathing is going to help with the kids. All. And then you started talking about how you got to get sympathetic. You got to get out of that person. And it's like, yes, exactly. Like, that makes so much but, sense. And, and earlier we were talking about um, is what you, you were doing like so sports specific and you kind of made the, the, the comment that it's, it's human beings only move so many ways. And so if you would have stayed in that, no, it is very sports specific and this is only for baseball players. How would you ever have made the connection to breathing mm-hmm. to your own son? And you would have been listening to a doctor thinking, hey, he's got to be the expert on this. And the whole time, like you were really the expert that your son needed. So that's it's. Human movement is human movement. Like the truth is true for everyone. And then how do we take that knowledge and what power does that have? Well, there it is. So that's incredible. Well, the other thing too is it's funny. What I was going to say was that with the breathing, even though we'll discount it quickly, it's also the first advice I give everybody. Mm -hmm. Like if Jax, who's three, um, (laughs) he's all in a rage. And and Jax is is a rage monster. The baby, we call him the baby. He's not a baby anymore. But it's like, come on, buddy, breathe. Like we mm-hmm. tell right. people, mm-hmm. if Joe's really upset, I say breathe. If he's melting. My, my daughter does that. Jojo, take a breath. Yeah. You're upset. Take a breath. If right. you're melting down yeah. during a workout. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean melting down emotionally. I mean like, right. like breathe. And then, yeah. and then it was, it's funny. There's a girl in our gym that whenever she gets a little upset, she's like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she does this like fanning and breathing thing. And it's like, we all know that breathing plays a huge role in I want to say like, you know, leveling our emotions, mm-hmm. helping us physically, like stuff like that. But then someone's like, hey, you need to work on your breathing. Yeah, sure. I'm good. Right. Like I know how to breathe. I've been doing this my whole life. Right. I'm good. <laughs> Why would I listen to you? That was kind of like my, I, I know how to breathe. Right. What are you I'm talking not about? dead. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm good. Like yeah, it can't be that lie. hard. It's kind of like. Well, we all, we all yeah. think we're experts, right? Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've done the FMS level one, level two, yeah. and that is a big component is just to learn to breathe. The alligator breathing drills laying on the ground, right. like draw that connection. And like, yeah. here you are telling this story. It's like, well, I know that. Like, why should, why should that be like an aha moment for me? I've been through that kind of training, but I never drew that connection. Yeah. So that is part one with Dana Santis, Joe, uh, blown away by, yeah. uh, just your stories yeah, today. Yeah. My, like, honestly, that, that conversation, it still hangs with me here weeks later, uh, just because of, of that, that story with her son, it just absolutely blows my mind, but it makes yeah. so much sense. And, and, and I think from a couple of perspectives, one from a human perspective, because it is an incredible story, yeah. but to the, the it's not only an intelligence thing, like the intuition to be able to figure something like that out mm-hmm. is, is incredible. And that's to me what, what the strength and conditioning industry should be like, yeah, right. there's, there's science and there's numbers and, and, and there's all this stuff, but having just a gut feeling and an intuition to, 
to figure out a problem and solve it. It's it's just incredible. Well, and uh, I find it interesting too because um, teams will will spare no expense when it comes to helping their athletes, right? Yep. And that should somehow carry over to you know quote unquote normal people as well. And in this this conversation with her, it was like she makes no distinction. It's just a, a human being with a different set of working parameters, but the yep. same concepts carry over. And so it's not like a wasted endeavor to be pouring so much energy into these high performers because it does carry over to, to real world stuff. No, absolutely. So we are excited, though, that there is also a part two coming up yes because uh we spent a lot of time with dana and and honestly she's got so much information to give um we couldn't restrict it it couldn't be contained in one (laughs) single episode (laughs) no really it couldn't no so um look forward to part two it'll be the next podcast out from us they will be released back to back and hopefully you guys really enjoyed that one